Welcome to Your Pharmacy Career Podcast, proudly brought to you by Ravens Recruitment, Australia's leading specialist pharmacy recruitment agency. The podcast series has been created to shine a light on the diverse and inspiring careers of Australia's pharmacists. Each episode will focus on the varied career opportunities within the pharmacy industry by exploring the career paths taken by leaders in the fields of community pharmacy, hospital, industry, government and professional organisations. Careers never follow a defined path. Everyone's story is different and unique in their own way. The podcast series will help you discover the world of opportunities that exist and reveal pathways to achieve your dreams and aspirations. Whether you are a pharmacy student, early career pharmacist, or simply looking for a change at any stage of your career, the podcast series is designed to help you navigate ways into a career and a life that you love. Your host of the podcast series is Ali Sue. Ali, herself a pharmacist, is now the founder of Global Pharmacy Entrepreneurs and a passionate advocate for pharmacists to grow, innovate, excel, and make a lasting impact in the world. It's now over to our host, Ali Sue. Hi, this is Ali Sue. Welcome to episode two of Your Pharmacy Career Podcast. Today, I'm very excited to introduce our guest, Shafali Parikh, to you all. Shafali grew up in Auckland, New Zealand, and moved to Australia in 2014. During her Bachelor of Pharmacy degree, she was elected as National Australian Pharmacy Students Association, NAPSA, president in 2017. After graduating from Griffith University and completing her internship at the Royal Hobart Hospital, Shafali is now employed as a pharmacist at both Alfred Health and Austin Health. Let's welcome Shafali. Hi, Shafali. How are you today? I'm very well, Ali. Thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. We're so excited to have you on the show. Welcome to your pharmacy career podcast. So, Tell us, tell us about your story. Where did you grow up? So Ali, I actually grew up in Auckland, New Zealand with my mum, dad and younger brother. I did all of my schooling there, primary, secondary, and then I moved to Australia in 2014 to embark on my university journey. And I graduated then from Griffith University in 2018 completed my internship in Tasmania at the Royal Hobart Hospital last year and now I'm in Melbourne working as a hospital pharmacist across two organisations, Austin Health and Alfred Health. Yeah, so that's sort of been my journey in a nutshell from from home to here and I guess you can say I'm definitely well-versed in Australian geography after that, sort of been a bit here, there and everywhere. Tell us a bit more about your pharmacy journey. When and how did you decide to pursue a career in pharmacy? Yeah, so I actually remember as a young girl, I wanted to be a teacher. I would turn my room into a classroom, as I'm sure many young people do. And I had me on a chair and my soft toys on the floor. And I had a role in one of my exercise books that I called out and ticked who was present, where I simply just read out names of people in my real primary school class. <laughs> Embarrassing now that I reflect back on that. But it was then in high school where biology and chemistry were actually my favourite subjects. And then I think it was year 12 or year 11, if I'm converting to the Australian system, where we had to conduct a work experience placement. We could pick anything and anywhere and My mum had a pharmacist friend who offered to take me on as a placement student. So I agreed. 
I, I have this innate passion for helping others and, and a desire to make a difference. And so I always knew that I wanted to pursue a career in healthcare, but I didn't know exactly what that would look like. So I went on this work experience, ended up loving it. I, I caught a glimpse into what the role of a pharmacist could look like. And I really admired the respect that the community had for the pharmacist as well as the pharmacy as a whole, as a health destination. So I could essentially just see myself fitting into this profession. It felt right. So the placement combined with the encouragement of my pharmacist aunt, both of those led me to then want to pursue a career in pharmacy. Wow. So we know that during your time at university, you have not only balanced passing your studies as well as heavily involved with NAPSA. So what have you learned and why did you decide to join NAPSA? So I think my journey through NAPSA has been one of my highlights actually throughout my career and it's sort of an opportunity that I that I happened to just stumble upon. It wasn't planned at all. Sort of how it started is I started more locally with my university organisation and discovered that I really enjoyed, you know, being part of a committee. I could see the impact that being part of a committee like that was having. At that level, the impact was to the students, you know, coordinating student events, advocating for students in the wider pharmacy space, which was really cool, I thought, for a student to be able to have that impact, you know, with people that are a lot more experienced and a lot older. And through my involvement with the local university association, I got to go to the NAPSA meeting. And, you know, that's when I met sort of the more national counterparts. And I grew even more in love with the idea of being part of a national committee and, you know, being able to share the student voice on that platform. So essentially, I think what what happened was me just sort of saying yes to all of the opportunities that came about and following, you know, my interests and playing to my strengths. Before you know it, one thing led to another and, and I had become NAPS president. And I think some key learnings from that time were I learned a lot about myself in terms of leadership. I haven't always been, you know, this confident leader that NAPS has sort of grew me into. So I really enjoyed that aspect of it. I think another thing I learned was the value of networking and meeting people. I think a lot of students at a university level, they're focused on their studies and they're focused on, you know, getting the grades in order to get the job. But I think something that they might miss is what's just as important as knowing the right people and sort of creating a reputation for yourself almost. So, you know, go to those events, go to, you know, all of the social events and the professional events and start networking, start building your your career network of people that you can then fall back on when you need to and who can inspire you as well. Yeah, that's great advice. So we know networking is very important. In specifics, how should we grow our network more efficiently when we have lots of study on one hand, but still want to get to know the right people and develop ourselves? Sure. So I think one of the main ways I got to do that was actually finding work in a community pharmacy. While I was studying, I know a lot of students in my year also did the same thing. They had a part-time job and I know that's not always possible for everyone. You know, the study demands are quite high and finding the time for part-time work can be quite difficult. But even if it's, you know, one shift a week, I remember I did 
three hours on a weeknight. You know, that's, that's hardly anything, but it's just a little bit. And, you know, you get to know your pharmacy colleagues through that. And pharmacy is so small as an industry, especially in Australia. And I think, you know, one connection can lead to so many more. So that would be my first sort of recommendation is to try and find some part-time work or even volunteering at the hospital is something that I know some other students did. And then also making the most out of conferences, you know, joining some of the bigger organisations as a student member, like the Pharmaceutical Society of Australia, the Guild as well. And then there's also Society of Hospital Pharmacists Australia. So those are some three key organisations that offer student membership and so I would encourage students to be involved with those organisations because they hold events where you can go and network and meet people as well. So yeah I think it's about it's not necessarily you know a commitment as big as joining a committee but it can simply just be become a member, go to an event once in a while and you'll be surprised by how many people you meet recurrently because, you know, like I said, it's small and people tend to go to events as a frequent flyer. So, yeah, that can be a great way to meet people. You also mentioned about leadership, that your time at NAPSA has helped you to develop your leadership. Yes. So can you give us some tips of how to develop that skill And what's the importance of having that leadership skills in a workplace right now? Yeah, definitely. So I think how NAPSA helped me develop was I think it simply just forced me into that role. I think as NAPSA president, you know, you're sort of accountable for, you know, speaking on behalf of the students and making some really sort of tough well, not tough necessarily, but making decisions on behalf of a wider population. So you sort of get forced to to put on this role of, okay, it's a huge responsibility for me. How am I going to do this effectively and to the best of my ability? And so you sort of naturally, for me anyway, build that confidence to talk to people that are a lot older than you, who are a lot more experienced than you. I found when I was, when I first became NAPSA president, I had people ask me, oh, you know, what are the students' main concerns and all all these sort of big questions. And, you know, you get forced to, to know the facts and to do your research and to really be across all of the issues that the students are facing. And I think it's it's that constant communication, that constant exposure to the profession that naturally builds that confidence. I think also just believing in yourself. I, I never actually thought that I could seriously be NAPSA president. So when I had become that, it was it was a huge confidence booster and it also for me made me realize that I want to do really well I want to do this role justice I want to prove not only to others but also myself that I can do a really good job of this and so all of that sort of forced me into into building those skills and it comes with practice I think it comes with having a support network around you that's that's going to encourage you and support you yeah but I, I think it would just be you know take all those opportunities when you can don't be afraid you know I mean I think chances are you're going to fail if you do try, but but it's going to actually help in, in making you succeed. Speaking of not to be afraid, what are some of your fears as the president of NAPSA and how did you overcome 
that fear? Sure, sure. So I think some of my main fears at that time were, I guess, fear of the unknown. I didn't really know what this role would entail. Previous to being president, I was on the board. I was quite good friends with the president at that time. So I could see what her role sort of looked like on the outside, but I didn't really know the specifics. I didn't really know, you know, who to expect to be in my corner and all those sorts of things. So I think, yeah, fear of the unknown was definitely one of them. And another one was fear of disappointing people if I wasn't doing the right job or, you know, if people had these expectations of me that I wasn't meeting. Those were probably my main fears. And I think how I overcame them was simply day by day, just just doing the work to the best that I could do. And I knew that if I was putting in my all as much as I could, you know, any achievement was was an achievement at the end of the day. And surprisingly through that, you know, I got some really good feedback and we achieved so much during during that term. So yeah, I think even though the fear was there, it came down to just simply playing to my strengths and, and doing putting in the hard work and believing in myself really, not letting that fear sort of consume me. Wonderful. Did you have any role models or mentors during your time at university? I do. I, I have plenty actually now that I think about it. I think the first would have to be my mum. I'd consider my mum to be a personal role model. The foundations of who I am from her, you know, she's taught me how to be brave and strong. She's taught me sacrifice and loyalty. Mm. But above all, she's been my biggest source of support and encouragement. I think when I reflect on the times that, you know, I found my mum to be nagging, I now realise that they were just her pushing me to be the best version of myself because she's always seen more potential in me than I have. I also have a couple of professional role models. Someone I look up to immensely is Taryn Gill. So Taryn is the current pharmacy owner of Marlborough Priceline Pharmacy. I first met Taryn at a NAPSA Congress in 2017. At that time, she was the PSA Early Career Pharmacist Board Director, and actually she was the first one. And I instantly fell in love with Taryn's infectious zest for pharmacy. And mostly she inspires me because of her journey. You know, she's she completed her internship in a compounding pharmacy and then she went rural and then she went into hospital pharmacy and you know, everything else in between, she's accomplished so much while maintaining innovation in her approach. And for someone like me who gets bored easily, I'm always looking for new roles. And I think Taryn is an example of someone who has succeeded despite changing roles. And yet she's remained consistently passionate about pharmacy. Now, yesterday was World Pharmacists Day and three very deserving pharmacists won national awards. One in particular, the the Lifetime Achievement Award was given to Debbie Rigby. Now, Debbie is such a warm and reliable figure in my pharmacy network. That woman in leadership panel that you spoke about earlier, I sat on that with her and I have completed the GP Pharmacist Foundation training, after which I actually spoke to Debbie about her role in that space. And last time I saw her at SHPA's Medicine Management Conference last year, and she was telling me about a conference that she was going to present at, and it was going to be in Antarctica. So she's simply amazing and she's always striving to do more. I I once listened to a TED Talk by Shonda Rhimes. I'm not sure if you know who that is. She is the one who created Grey's Anatomy. 
And in this TED Talk, she talks about the hum and she talks about the hum being music, about being light and air. And she goes on to say, when you have a hum like that, you can't help but strive for greatness. And I think Taryn and Debbie both have a hum for pharmacy and that is why I admire them so much. Wow, wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. So in your current hospital pharmacy role, what are some of your opportunities for growth in this area? So yes, so currently I work as a hospital pharmacist and I think I see potential for growth in a wide range of areas. One of them being the value that pharmacists have in a particular activity, which is clinical reviews. In the hospital pharmacy space, from my experience anyhow, clinical reviews are something that aren't always prioritised first. So sort of daily workflow will include you know, inpatient supply of medicines and then discharges and then admissions and then clinical reviews. So by the time we get to that clinical review process, we have certain key performance indicators to meet and so it's rushed and, you know, often we only touch the surface and we look at high-risk drugs. But to improve this, I would actually like to see pharmacists on ward rounds every day. I think, you know, we can make the best impact at the time of prescribing, at the time of decision making, and that's often done on a ward round. And I know that that takes up often most of the morning, if not half the day. But I think, you know, that is that is a huge space for impact and value in a pharmacist's role as a hospital pharmacist. And, you know, I think there are also opportunities to free up the pharmacist's time to do that by enhancing the role of pharmacy technicians and the hospital pharmacy workforce as well. Just, you know, as a bit of an aside, I think some other opportunities for growth as a hospital pharmacist could include pharmacists being more integrated in the discharge planning process, you know, just sort of thinking about how patients need to be medically cleared before they can go home. They also need to be cleared by physio and social work. I think that pharmacists should be part of that process. You know, can can pharmacists clear patients before they go? I've often had situations where, you know, a discharge script is given to me and then the nurse in charge has said, oh, transport's booked for one o'clock and it's 12 o'clock. And, you know, that that's a huge sort of rush for time you know, the patient's less likely to listen to my counselling if, if they're waiting for transport and I'm the last person they need to see. So, you know, in an ideal, perfect world, you know, I'd get the script, I'd, I'd reconcile it, I'd sort out all my issues and then I would, you know, clear the patient and let the nurse know that I've cleared them, now you can organise transport. I think that process would, would be a lot smoother and a lot more efficient. It would reduce errors as well. Those are a couple of opportunities for growth I see in the hospital space for pharmacy. So if you would change one thing in your current pharmacy career, what would it be? Yeah, that's interesting. I I think I almost feel like my career is just starting. You know, I'm a first year out. I feel like there's probably so many more things I'd want to change later. But I think everything I've done, you know, within my pharmacy career to date from university to internship to now I think everything has served a purpose, you know, even the bad decisions that I've made, they've taught me valuable lessons. And so I'm not even sure I would change anything. I I believe I'll grow into being the best pharmacist I can be because of my career as a whole, you know, highlights and failures. Yes, I I don't think I would change anything really, at least not yet. (laughs) So what does a successful pharmacy career mean to you? Yeah, that's an interesting question. When I thought about this, I thought, 
I think success looks different for everyone. I think, you know, what's a successful pharmacy career for me might not be for everyone else. For me, I think, you know, I'm really enjoying being a hospital pharmacist. I'd love to grow in this space and sort of take on more leadership roles and that sort of thing. But I don't really have, you know, the classic five-year plan. Don't really have that quite yet. I think, If I continue to just do what I love and continue to make impacts and continue to advocate for the profession, which is what I love to do, I think I'll have a successful pharmacy career. I think it comes from the feeling of of the work that you're doing rather than hitting certain milestones because I found that a lot of the opportunities I've said yes to, they haven't been planned. I've sort of just said yes because they've come up or I think that that's interesting and then the success sort of comes afterwards, you know, the bigger picture comes afterwards. And so I think if I continue to follow my gut, if I continue to have passion for what I do and the drive to work hard, I think my personal journey of success will follow. And that that would be my advice to others as well. I think don't look for a particular person's journey that you want to copy or that you want to aspire to. Sure, there might be certain things of that person's career that you'd like to also do but create that successful journey for yourself and just continue to do what what you're good at and and what gives you that sense of purpose, I think. Mm. Mm. That reminds me of something a student asked me about, how do they know your career trajectory? How Mm. do you know that you should, you know, this job is great for now and then move on to the next? Who did you ask about your career trajectory? Yeah, that's interesting too. I think, well, I think I discovered that I wanted to work in hospital from placement. So Mm. I know not every uni offers a hospital placement, which is something in my term of NAPSA we had advocated for because I think it's so important that students get exposure to as many different facets of pharmacy as a student. So like for me, being able to have a placement in hospital, that's what led me to want to do hospital, Mm. you know, later on because I really enjoyed my placement. Equally, you know, as a student, I worked in the community pharmacy and I really enjoyed that too, but I just knew that I wanted to do something a little bit different. So I think in a university setting, getting exposed to as much as you can is important. So if you're not getting a placement opportunity, maybe speak to your lecturer about, you know, what other careers at pharmacy do you know of do you have a connection that I could speak to Mm. simply asking that question because you'll be surprised by how many people know other people Mm. and even just you know having that one conversation with a lecturer that you trust or a friend that you trust or you know your employer then they'll remember when they do come across someone who's doing something a little bit different they'll they'll link you up hopefully you know, ask your friends where do they work? You know, what do you enjoy about your workplace? But I think, yeah, even from like, you know, second, third year uni before placements have even started, try and get that exposure. So when you are in placement, you know exactly, you know, what questions to ask and what opportunities to say yes to. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Totally agree. Sounds like fear is a big thing that holds us back. So if once we can overcome that and step out of a comfort zone, start Mm. talking to people, networking with strangers, ask our lectures, um, people, you know, look for a part-time job in pharmacies, look for other opportunities. 
then we're more likely to find the answer we're looking for. Exactly, exactly. Or you're more likely to, yeah, find inspiration in something or, you know, yeah, you might not necessarily know all the answers, but you'll find out the steps to get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. No worries. Thank you. That was actually a lot of fun. (laughs) You learned so much. And, um, yeah, hopefully you know, what we discussed will definitely help more pharmacy students mm. and pharmacists to create a successful pharmacy career or just helping them to give them that strength to step out that their comfort zone. Definitely. To start their journey. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm very happy if that's what happens. <laughs> Thank you so much. No worries. Thanks, Ali. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any additional questions, feel free to leave them in the comments below. Stay tuned to hear from our next amazing guest. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Your Pharmacy Career Podcast. Proudly brought to you by Ravens Recruitment, Australia's leading specialist pharmacy recruitment agency. If you enjoyed this episode and know anyone else who you think would benefit from it, we would be grateful if you could share it with them. Together, we help even more pharmacists develop a career and life they love. If you have any questions or suggestions about future podcast episodes, please reach out to us via email, info at ravensrecruitment.com.au.